Hey, this is Art Erkins with Fairfield County, Connecticut Postal Customer Council, and welcome to Postal Biz Buzz. Today's guest is Bridget Schulten, and she is the owner of Fifth State Distillery, located in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Now, you may ask yourself, what does a distillery have to do with postal products and services? And hopefully we'll answer that question a little bit later. For now, I wanted to start the conversation with a brief discussion of pivoting. You see, first and foremost, Fifth State Distillery is a local distillery. But due to the pandemic, they found themselves pivoting their core business into something other than making some of the finest local vodkas and whiskeys in the area. Welcome, Bridget. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being here. Could you tell us about Fifth State Distillery and mention some of the products that you sell? Yes, we uh, opened about four years ago. Um, We make gin, vodkas, and whiskey. We make it in small batches using Connecticut corn that we source out of Summers, Connecticut. Um, All of our corn is non-GMO. And everything we produce is uh, also gluten-free, which a lot of people are looking for these days. Right. So uh, we have an award-winning gin. We have a premium vodka, some flavored vodkas. And we have several whiskeys um, that are out for distribution um, in the retail stores and restaurants. Also being a craft distiller, We have a 3,000-square-foot distillery in Bridgeport, uh, where before the pandemic, we had people come in uh, to do tours and tastings. You're also allowed to purchase at our distillery, so we have a uh, a list that's longer than our retail list of products that are distributed only from the distillery, and those products tend to be the new ones that we're testing. Uh, So we use our tours and tastings as a test market. We tweak our products. Uh, Sometimes then we release them to distribution, and other times we take them back and tweak them. Uh, You know, whatever is the feedback that we get is what we do. So four years ago, we started this. It is a family business. My husband is the distiller. His background is chemical engineering. He spent many years at GE um, fixing their plants and re-engineering their plants and always had an interest in making spirits. So this is something he's thought about for a long time, and it's really having a fun time doing it. It's very creative for him and at the same time very technical. Oh, that's very interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we really have have had fun doing this. We love talking to the public. Um, you know, but in March, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. And I so, think I, w- I was going to go there next. Um, you know, you heard me talk about pivoting. And could you explain to our audience how the coronavirus may have affected your core business and how you saw an opportunity to pivot in a direction that in retrospect may have helped your business and, in fact, uh, helped the local community? Yes. So, uh, you know, in February, as we're all hearing the news of what's going on, my husband is thinking, well, you know, it's it's a chemical compound. This is what hand sanitizer is. Mm -hmm. So let me figure this out. And 
so the last few events that we had in February, you know, he was already tweaking it, and we had it in a spray bottle, and we would take it to, you know, the events that we had. We had a big party at the end of February. Um, that's, you know, another source of our uh, revenue at the distilleries. You know, we could rent out our space, too. So when everything shut down, essentially our spirits business came to a screeching halt mm. uh, in thinking about restaurants are closed, bars are closed, so they're no longer purchasing. Right. Uh, retail stores are open for curbside only, mm-hmm. so people were not going into a retail store and shopping and saying, what's local, what's new, you know, what do I want to try? They were just calling up and saying, I need a handle of this kind of vodka, because that's what they knew. It's easy. Mm-hmm. It'll be on the table outside the store when they go pick it up, right? right? Yeah. So while big brands uh, increased 20 30% mm-hmm. during the first three months of COVID, the craft spirits, craft beer, uh, small wineries, we all went down to 80 um, in our sales. Mm -hmm. So we, most of our revenue streams, our distillery was closed, that closed, we couldn't sell out of the distillery. Um, Early on, uh, when the liquor stores started to pivot to do uh, curbside delivery, we were allowed to do the same thing. So did curbside, so we had to increase our online presence and our online purchasing and stores. So, you know, we had to ramp up. It was something, you know, we only did kind of as a, um, a small percentage of our business. Right. So um, in, in early March, uh, it was about the 10th of March, I think, we developed our first hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. um, knowing that there's a huge shortage out there and, if the government allows us, we can actually do this. So that's how we started. Uh, the first one we created uh, was with our gin essence in it. Mm-hmm. So it's it smelled like gin. Uh, the first iteration, the CDC said use 70% ethanol. Mm-hmm. Um, as the few weeks went by, the FDA came out with a formulation uh, for distilleries to use. So ever since about the second week of April, we have been using the COVID-19 FDA formulation for our product. So it's it's a very clean product that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, It calls for 80% ethanol, um, hydrogen peroxide, isopropyl alcohol, and glycerin. So there are no um, smells in there. We don't add any smells to that. It's not part of the formulation. Mm -hmm. And the formulation is also a liquid. It's not a gel. So I think people have had to get used to it's not a gel like a, you know, pure well type product is. Um, The gel is not necessary to be clean and virus free. So we make it exactly as the FDA suggests. And I was reading about it, you, you don't use methanol. And if you don't use methanol, what does that mean? And why should that matter to the average consumer? 
Um, well, methanol is toxic. It's toxic when you ingest it, and it's also toxic when you put it on your skin. Mm-hmm. So there's many studies out about it. There's a lot of recalls going on in the U.S., and all of those products um, contain methanol. So that is not part of our formulation, and I get a lot of questions every day, do you have methanol, do you have methanol? So right. it's great that there's been a lot of public awareness about it because you, nobody wants to do something that's dangerous. Right, right. So, and the other thing that we do um, with our ethanol um, is we use a beverage-grade ethanol. So we produce this at our distillery. Mm-hmm. We use Connecticut corn. We make it every day. Um, it's very clean. It's high proof. It's 160 proof um, ethanol alcohol. So it's mm-hmm. very clean. It smells like alcohol. Right. So when you put it on your hands and rub it together, mm-hmm. um, it evaporates in about 10, 15 seconds, and the smell evaporates too. So mm-hmm. it's not like you know you're using it as a perfume for the rest of the day. Right. It's just like hand sanitizer um, that evaporates and then there's no smell to it. Um, some of the products out today do not use beverage-grade alcohol. It's an industrial alcohol. So industrial alcohol is used in gasoline mm-hmm. because you don't need to have a nice smell in your gasoline. It does not have to be as clean as the beverage-grade that you're ingesting. Mm-hmm. So that is also the difference in our product and you know, we're very proud of that to make a, a clean product for the public. Right. Wow, that's awesome and totally understandable, especially in this, you know, there's a lot of people concerned about, um, you know, a green environment, and it sounds like this process is helping that movement. Um, yes. I, wa- I wanted to yep. understand a little bit more. So when the restaurants and bars and the in-person retail closed, you know, there's no tours, there's no tastings. And it, it seems like a stroke of genius that you just thought, like, wow, well, we have the process in place. We could make hand sanitizer. I mean, care to comment about that? I mean, that just seems amazing um, to me. That's the whole idea of pivoting. I mean, if well, you wanted to survive, you needed to pivot. Well, that's exactly what it was. I mean, I, genius, my husband would love to be called that. <laughs> but, but really, um, it was it's survival because we would be we would be gone like many small restaurants and businesses Mm -hmm. um so we had to think very quickly how are we going to survive which is the boat we're all in how are we going to survive how long can we survive um you know to get through this process so you know we started making you know barrels of hand sanitizer you know from Mm -hmm you know, two or three, and then we're making 10 a day and 20 a day. Um, And very quickly, the phone was ringing when people knew that we had it. Mm -hmm. So we really did kind of uh, Facebook marketing, Instagram. You know, we have a huge email list, so we just tried to get the awareness out there that if you needed hand sanitizer, you know, please come to us. We could help you. So we had many, many um, businesses, even just local people. Um, 
uh, it could be, you know, Bridgeport Hospital, the hospitals nearby. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times the nurses and the doctors and the assistants would come and buy their own bottles because they wanted to make sure that they had it. Right. Um, there were so many um, essential businesses um, that needed, you know, to go on day to day. Another example um, would be electrical companies, tree companies. Mm-hmm. So we had major storms in late March, early April, all the way up through May. So mm-hmm. tree companies are contracted by the utility companies to go clean up after storms. Yeah. Those are essential businesses that bought from us and used our products. Right. Um, the U.S. Postal Service, which is who we're here talking about today, was one of our first clients, and we have, uh, you know, initially we gave them uh, small spray bottles, like eight-ounce spray bottles, so that they could put in every mail carrier's truck mm-hmm. so that they could stay safe. So, and then we started giving them gallons for refills of those bottles, etc. Um, we you know, not only did, you know, the New England states, we did the five boroughs of Manhattan um, uh, initially, and it's, you know, it's been great. We've had a, a nice relationship with, with all the people um, that we've dealt with in the post office. Yeah, that was um, kind of going to be my next question, because um, in my research for this, I did go on your Facebook um, page, and I saw there was a, a post there, and I'll quote, we rely on our postal carriers, and they have been relying on Fifth State for their hand sanitizer needs since the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, I imagine from that post that um, although you offer curbside pickup, local delivery, um, you are using the postal service to distribute some of your products, and that some of your postal carriers are, are using your products. I was going to say, could you comment a little bit on that? But it sounds like you already addressed that question. <laughs> well, uh, you know, any any um, office worker in the post office, uh, you know, there's so many postal offices in all of our little towns around Connecticut mm-hmm. yep. that they all needed to clean. Um, our hand sanitizer is also a cleaner. So you can spray it on your counter or wipe off your counter. You can spray it on your um, your uh, plastic partitions that mm-hmm. everybody has up now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever you're using, the post office depends on the doorknobs, everything. It's, it's also a cleaning agent for right. the facilities, as is, you know, something that the postal carriers and workers can use to keep themselves clean. Right. So it is a multi-use product, um, and we were very happy that we could do something for, you know, the Postal Service that, you know, every day people rely on their, on their checks and their medicines, you know, mm-hmm. to be delivered. And uh, postal workers are essential workers, and, you know, they're on the front line every day touching millions of things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether it's yeah. mail or mailboxes, and um, we certainly have been very um, appreciative that we could, you know, be part of the mission to um, help them and help everybody else who relies on the postal service. 
Right. Well, I said in the beginning that somehow I would uh, turn it back to why are we talking about a distillery and pivoting on a postal podcast, but I think you summed that up nicely. So uh, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not in the postal service. I use them. I manage the uh, the, the mail and, and the print and delivery at Sacred Heart University. But yeah, we, we have a, a lot of contact with the postal service and um, we, th we think they've been doing a fantastic job during all of this. Um, one thing you wow. mentioned about corn is one of the key ingredients. And I always yeah. found that, fa I, I know that distilleries, they use different, you know, grains. I know rice is used and, you know, corn and there's some other things. But I find it fascinating that you're able to get your corn right here in Connecticut in summers, you said. Exactly. Well, so uh, corn is the, the biggest grain that is produced in the state of Connecticut. So mm -hmm. there is a lot of it. Yeah. It's. It's, the fields are mostly in the northern part of the state where the tobacco fields Used to are be. and were. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they've transitioned their businesses up there over the last 30 years from tobacco wraps to um, corn. Um, and we have been using uh, Pleasant View Farms up in Summers, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And they have provided us they, with a non-GMO corn. They crack it for us mm -hmm. and they bring it down to our facility in Bridgeport in one ton tote bag. So it's kind of fun to watch them take it off the truck. It's, right. it's like a five foot by five foot by five foot square with handles on the top. So huh. it really is a tote bag. Wow. Um, but it's great to be able to use, utilize Connecticut farmers. Yeah. Um, most distilleries will use a, a local grain if possible. Mm -hmm. um, people like local. Um, it's certainly cost-effective to use what's closer to you. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we rebranded ourselves in November of 2019 to mm -hmm. Fifth State Distillery. Um, our whiskeys were always under our Fifth State brand for the last four years. And we combined our gin and vodka. So it's, we were the fifth state to join the union in 1788. Mm -hmm. So we're very proud of that. And yeah. so, therefore, we want to utilize as many Connecticut businesses as we can um, in our business. Right. Well, that's a great summation. I, I just wanted to say that as, um, you know, our postal council is right down the road in Fairfield. And a lot of times I've been involved in a lot of charity golf tournaments and events like that to raise money for you know all the different causes and it used to be that you would get hand sanitizer in the goodie bags that you give to all the golfers and now it seems like the the hand sanitizer is like the raffle prize <laughs> everybody right. wants it so i i think uh it's a great niche that you found um, you know, to, to pivot to from your core business, I just think it's uh, mm -hmm. it's great. It's it's great that you've been um, you know uh, so kind to be using the postal workers. And is there how do we find uh, you know more information about you? I know you have a website and Facebook. Uh, if people are interested in Fifth State, uh, yeah, that's the best way. Um, or stop by. Uh, at this point, we're not open to the public. We follow indoor restaurant uh, guidelines. Mm -hmm. So hopefully maybe in September we might be open for people to come in and see actually how we make it. Mm -hmm. Right now we have a tent in our driveway that will open um, Friday and Saturday, 3 to 6. Come meet us, come taste all of our products, 
we have a cocktail of the week that we're selling. Um, so that's the way that we can be out there to the public. You know, right. uh, the other way that we were pre-COVID was, you know, the many events, like you suggested, the golf tournaments, the, the beer festivals, mm-hmm. you know, since all of those have been canceled, you know, that opportunity is, is also gone for us. But uh, if people want to come by, we're, we're very happy to have them and to meet them. And hopefully they'll come be able to tour our facility in the fall. And my husband does a great tour yeah. and tells them how he makes it. And he's a geeky scientist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, it's rather fun. We may go a little more in depth than people actually want, but I think that's appreciated. <laughs> Well, very good. Well, I said I would try to keep it to about 20 minutes, a half hour or so. I think we're right about there. I found this very informative. And I, uh, Bridget, I want to thank you for agreeing to be on today to talk a little bit about Fifth State and about you know your pivoting. Um, you could find us um, at www.pcc-ct.org and most podcast directories, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Um, again, thank you very much for agreeing to come on, and we can't wait till we get back to some sort of normalcy and we can come and visit you in person. Well, thank you. We would certainly appreciate that, and, and thank you for having us on. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.